Hello, and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews, and the summer of Super Roson with Iron Man 3. The story of a shell-shocked Tony Stark. Uh, not sure he wants to be Iron Man uh, anymore. You know, kind of like Robert Downey Jr. until Disney slash Marvel backed up the money truck in a form of $80 million for feck's sake. So... Here it is to kick off a phase two of the MCU with Disney in full control. It's Iron Man 3. With a $200 million budget, this thing pulled in one point, sorry, yeah, $1.2 billion. With a new director in the chair and Disney pulling the strings, here it is, Disney presents Marvel's Iron Man 3. Starring Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, Don Cheadle, Guy Pearce, Ben Kingsley, and Ty Simpkins. The plot. After events of the Avenger, Tony Stark is shell-shocked, so spends his nights creating Iron Man suits. A ghost from his past comes back to haunt him in the form of Aldrich Killian. However, Tony has his hands full dealing with the Mandarin, or indeed does he? Can Tony save the President of the United States and indeed himself? Find out here. So, the movie opens up on a voiceover from Tony Stark, once again played by Robert Downey Jr. As his Iron Man suits from the previous movies blow up, very amped for this movie, as it pretty much destroys everything from the previous three, well, two movies. Anyway, Tony explains how he made his own demons, and cut to the terrible 1999 song, I'm Blue, and a flashback. Also, Marvel flipping pages, and I'm surprised this didn't open up with the Disney castle wishing upon a star. Ah, uh, dear God. <clears throat> and forgive me if I'm wrong here, but this thing has no titles, it just goes right into the movie. Hmm, unless I missed it. Hmm. Anyway, it is New Year's Eve in 1999, and we're in Switzerland at a tech conference. Because you would have a tech conference on New Year's Eve on midnight and mm, get in. And I'm guessing they're buying on about the bullshit Millennium Bug um, before the party kicked off. Because, again, you would have a party on New Year's Eve. And, mm. Anyway, as Tony has picked up a girl, a so happy Hogan, once again played by John Favreau, in his best Pulp Fiction cosplay, keeps Tony from getting bugged by geeks. Tony quickly meets and then brushes off. Uh, the heart surgeon that saved him from Iron Man 1. Rude. Uh, very rude. More voiceover from Tony as up walks Edward Enigma. Oh, sorry, that's Aldrich Gillian. Played by Guy Pierce of Memento, LA Confidential, Prometheus and The King's Speech. He's your stereotypical geek with bad teeth, greasy hair, a weird dress sense and thick glasses. Who is spurned by the hero and then turns into his nemesis. You know, just like the Riddler. Hmm, did they copy Batman Forever's plot? Hmm. Anyway, he tries to get the drunk playboy Tony's attention, but Tony just fogs him off, saying he meet him in the roof in five minutes. Because, you know, every business meeting is held on a roof on New Year's Eve slash New Millennium's Eve, as fireworks go off. Uh, dear God. But Tony is too busy sexting up the girl he picked up. She is Dr. Maya Hansen played by Rebecca Hall of The Prestige, Frost Nixon, The Town, and The Awakening. Seems she's a research, research even, scientist, 
involved in genetic manipulation. But all Tony wants to do is get into her genes, because that joke was funny when I wrote it, but it's no longer funny because genes and genes and ugh, whatever. Happy uh, pulls a leaf off one of her prized plants as she's showing Tony she's unlocked the ability to regrow stuff from our genes as the plant regrows its leaf. Tony isn't interested and just bets her. The plant, however, explodes. This freaks out Happy, who dives on top of Tony to protect him. Because, you see, Happy is scared of the Marion bug. He thinks it's actually a bug and missiles are going to... Oh, whatever. Uh, the bells strike midnight. Tony beds another girl. Happy is afraid of the Millennium bug. As on the roof, a villain is born. The voiceover continues as it shows Dr. Hansen waking up alone with a post-it note from the long-gone Tony. On to present day, as Tony is injecting himself with micro-implants that cause his new Iron Man suit to him. As he does this, he, is an ar- he has an argument with Jarvis, once again voiced by Paul Bethany, about safety protocols and how Tony would just ignore them. Uh, he gets one of his robot helpers to film this as Dumb E, with a dunce hat, is cleaning up and that poor little thing. I mean, Tony's a bastard for this thing because it saved Tony's life multiple times. Anyway, the test goes awry as the suit flies in as Tony dances uh, to Christmas songs. Oh, didn't I say this is a Christmas movie? And notes the only sole reason I could find that this was a Christmas movie is because Shane Black movies are all about Christmas, and that's his thing apparently. As I said, uh, the test goes awry, as suit pieces fly over the place, hitting Tony at full speed in soft, squishy places. Just as a faceplate goes on and Tony hero stances in the Mark 42, the ass piece hits him, and the suit falls to pieces. I get used to that because pretty much all the suits fall to pieces, even though it's been shown that these suits can take direct hits from Thor's looking blast and can fly into space. These suits fall to pieces faster than a triggered millennial. I mean, for Foxy's classier, this Mark 42 spends more time in pieces than fucking a jigsaw puzzle. My god. On TV, we see Iron Man's greatest villain, the Mandarin, played by Sir King... Uh, Sir King Bensley. Sir Ben Kingsley of Gandhi, Schindler's List, Species, and Jungle Book 2016. He's kinda a rock star Bin Laden. The American TV news networks eat this thing up, as he is basically a bugnucks dictator. As it shows, not only is he a madman, but he gloats about killing, even showing an effigy of the United States presidents getting burned. And what is it with these bloody dictators and burning effigies? Oh dear. Anyway, said president is a President Ellis, played by William Sadler of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Die Hard 2, a movie I covered, check my archives, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, The Mist, another movie I covered, check my archives, and Machete Killed. Uh, he is giving a press conference to introduce the Iron Patriot, aka War Machine, aka Colonel Rhodes, once again played by Don Cheeto in the new Stars and Stripes painted suit. Everyone takes the piss out of this, from the literal rivers to Tony himself, with the only lame-ass defence is, quote, it went down, down well with focus groups, pretty much sums up this entire bloody movie. In a bar, Tony is taking the piss out of Rhodey, and the new name 
as Box able to kid to ask Tona to sign a drawing and ask him how he survived a wormhole. This kicks off a panic attack in Tony as he just runs off, and that's just what we need a basket case bloody superhero. Cut to Pepper Potts, once again played by Gwyneth Paltrow, who is now running Stark Industries. But wait a minute here, didn't Tony take back control at the end of Fireman 2? Get in. She's dealing with Happy's ridiculous security overload concerns. Um, such as everyone must wear a bloody ID and firing HR to make way for robots, which FYI can be hacked because he goes on and on and on about how human resources and janitorial staff are the weak link in his perfect fucking utopian security lockdown building and blah 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 whatever. She has a four o'clock in the guise of Killian, who is in a suit, has his teeth fixed and has a new hairdo. He is now also stinking rich. He is running a rival company called AIM, which is Automated Intelligence Manufacturing, or fucking hell it's called. I have no idea. I'm not a comic book reader, so... <laughs> anyway, Killian shows off his new tech, which he calls Extremis, or Extremis as he calls it, which is basically three ball bearings linked to his brain. He shows the pain centres, and then the place he calls an empty slot in which uh, he wants to place extremists to quote unlock and un upgrade the DNA. Okay then. Happy Skype calls Tony to warn of Killian, but all Tony wants to do is joke around. And I love the fact Happy tells Tony he's going to tell him loudly with an earshot of his own goon. Uh, so well done there, Happy. I mean, subtle much. Hmm. Pepper, of course, is interested and throws out Killian, but he just smoozes her. As that night, Pepper returns home to be greeted by a huge teddy bear in a driveway, her Christmas gift from Tony. As inside, the Mark 42 is just waiting for her. Tony is not inside, it's just a whole shell, remote-controlled robot. Kind of like this movie, it has no bloody soul, it's just a facade, empty shell. Pepper heads downstairs, catches Tony with the remote control eyepiece and goes off on him, storming off to bed. But Tony tells her he can't deal with it anymore. From the aliens to the gods, the whole thing. Saying if she wasn't here, he would crack up. That night, Tony has a nightmare about the events of the Avengers and the Mark 42 almost kills Pepper. Tony awakes, uh, awakes, smashing it to pieces, but Pepper runs out and sleeps downstairs. And what a fucking bitch. So later that night, Happy has tailed the goon from earlier, Seven, or Slavan, S-A-V-I-N, what the hell? Anyway, uh, Killian calls him Seven, so I'm going to call him Seven. Bollocks there. Played by James Badge Dale of The Departed, World War C, and The Grey to the Chinese theatre in Hollywood, where he hands a nervous-looking soldier a suitcase full of extremists in the form of a mouthpiece. Happy steals one and fights with Seven over it, Swift Seven's nose getting unbroken after Happy bricks it with one punch. Seven picks up Happy with ease and throws him clean across the square. As the soldier takes a hit from the inhaler mouthpiece, he glows red and explodes, taking up the square and everyone around, leaving just their shadows on the wall as Happy slips into a coma. Never to be seen again. That's what we got rid of the director, you know? Make him snooze. <laughs> More ten rings propaganda uh, from the Mandarin on TV. 
about how fortune cookies aren't Chinese, but they're made up by Americans, also boasting about how he bought the Chinese theatre, and he's coming for the president next. Tony then visits Happy in hospital, as outside the press circus awaits. Tony hands the 10 ring a challenge to take him on giving out his home address on live TV. Back home, Tony uses Jarvis's hologram technology to show the explosion crime scene, finding out the temperature of the explosion was 3000 Kelvin. He then notices Happy pointing to dog tags, so Tony uses Jarvis to hunt down the explosions with that same heat signature, breaking it all down to Tennessee. As the press swarm Tony's clifftop Malibu mansion in helicopters, Dr. Hansen pays him a visit. Uh, Tony greets her in the Mark 42, Pepper being her usual bitchy self, snipes at Tony as he's dealing with Dr. Hansen. Seriously, what the hell does he see in her? I mean, she's a moody control freak who just swings from mood to mood at a drop of a hat and is a complete and utter self-centred bitch. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> as Tony is fighting with Pepper, Dr. Hans notices on TV a missile heading towards the house. Okay, never mind that the house is swarming with press helicopters, maybe all over the fucking attack helicopters in seconds, but where's Tony's defences? You tried to tell me Jarvis controls everything in this house, yet it has no defences? I mean, for fuck's sake, the White House has anti-air tank missile launcher things, or the fuck they're called, on top of the bloody White House. It also has surface-to-air missile launchers and etc, etc on the fucking White House, but this control freak fucking paranoid delusion. Tony has no defences on his easily destroyed clifftop mansion. Get yourself to fuck! Oh dear god. Anyway, the missile is a direct hit on the living room, taking out Tony, Pepper and the Doctor, but not killing them, Karen. Tony places Pepper in the Mark 42. Uh, doesn't it say only Tony can wear these suits? Moving on. And I'm guessing this is a nod to her being a rescue as more attack helicopters take pot shots at the cliff. With the house falling around them, Pepper gets the doctor out as the, fall the house falls in and around Tony. The house falls into the ocean just as Tony calls for the suit back. And guess what? The suit isn't combat ready. This is just a weak ass prototype again. Tony is paranoid this thing wouldn't be armed to the fucking teeth. Anyway, like I says, this thing is not combat ready. Yet this is his latest bells and whistles suits. Two words for that one. Lazy writing. So, with the helicopters blowing chunks out of the house, Tony has no choice but to run as the house falls into the ocean, taking all his toys with him as he ends up trapped under rubble in the bottom of the sea or ocean. And he almost drowns. Wait, the Mark V was airtight. Why isn't the Mark Two? Lazy writing. Jarvis kicks in the emergency power just as Tony is about to drown and flies off to Tennessee, where Jarvis wakes him up, telling him he's almost out of juice, juice and crash lands. Wait, so this thing can fly from Malibu to New York, that's 2,800 plus miles, no problem, and take on dozens of robots and war machine and whiplash, but this 42 suit can't fly from Tennessee to Malibu, that's over 2,000 miles, without running out of juice. Lazy fucking writing, Jesus Christ, fucking continuity in this movie is non-existent. 
Also, they can Disneyfy in a fucking kid genius for fuck's sake. Anyway, now stranded in Tennessee with a dead Jarvis and a useless Mark 42 Iron Man suit, Tony turns to a 10-year-old kid for help. Really, movie? Did you, did you sandwich in a fucking Disney kid? Uh, and since when does Jarvis need to sleep? It's a I said kid being Harvey Keener, played by Ty Simpkins of Jurassic World and Insidious Movie. He's a tech genius wonder kid who hasn't heard of Iron Man and uh, was no way crowded by Disney as he's never heard of fucking Iron Man or indeed Tony Stark. Kidding. This smart ass little punk has his own sob story. And, quote, helps Tony in his investigation of the exploded soldier from 18 months earlier. As back in Malibu, uh, Pepper grieves over a cracked Iron Man helmet. She hears bleeping, puts it on, and it's a video message from Tony saying he's alive and he is indeed sorry. Cut to Pepper driving the doctor away from the house. Shouldn't both of these be in hospital? Hmm. Uh, quizzing her as to why she showed up at the house, with her saying she thinks her boss is working for the Mandarin uh, and her boss is Killian. Shouldn't this send off alarm bells and Pepper and drive straight to, oh I don't know, S.H.I.E.L.D.? Hello, S.H.I.E.L.D., remember? Fucking... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Nick Fury, you know, eye-patched fucking Nick Fury, Black Widow, the other person, let's oh, move on. Now that I should mention this fucking movie. Kevin takes a call from Seven, uh, telling him he took out the house, but Tony might be still alive. Oh, this movie is so bloody terrible. Blazingly written, terrible, bad, shite! Cut to the Mandarin doing a live TV feed from Killing's house as he shoots a man on live TV. Back with Tony and a wonder kid as he shows Tony the explosion site from 18 months earlier. It has the same pattern as the Chinese theatre, shadows and all. So you're trying to tell me that the United States government didn't piece nine explosions together even though they have the same blast pattern? Okay then. Lazy writing. In fact, this shouldn't be called Iron Man 3, this should be called Iron Man Lazy Writing. For fuck's sake. Yet this thing made money. I mean, Jesus Christ! Fucking Marvel could turn out a turd and put slap Avengers on it and make fucking a fortune. Uh, the kid presses Tony on a York attack, and this triggers another panic attack. Yay! Why is this kid even in this movie to fill out a kid hero quota? This isn't the eighties anymore. Kids cannot be not all superhero. Shouldn't he be at home playing Call of Duty on his Xbox, annoying actual gamers, the little shit. Not running around town helping a near useless Tony. Anyway, Tony tracks down the mother of the dead soldier in a local bar who just so happens to have the file of her son with her because, you know, every bitter boo-sound mother carries her son's confidential file with her and how the hell she got hands on this thing anyway. Paper cut. To a picture is a MIA. A G, I wonder what that is. A fake Homeland Security agent tries to arrest Tony, but the town sheriff puts a stop to this, so she literally burns her fake badge to his face and then shoots him dead. And by the way, she has extremist thing running through her veins. Why does she still have a scar on her face if it repairs tissue, repairs damage, etc., etc.? Why is she still scarred? Hmm. 
Anyway, uh, Tony's now handcuffed and has to run for his life, but outside he finds Seven waiting for him. So dies back into the bar to deal with the fake Homeland Security officer. She tosses them around until he tries to choke her out. However, she has this fire skill and melts the cuffs of Tony's wrist. So Tony throws oil at her and the oil catches fire and the place goes up. In seconds, mind. As a fake agent walks through the fire and she's caught in an explosion as Tony gets away. One tiny thing here. She walks through fire and indeed has firepower coursing through her veins. Yet, their clothes do not burn off. Okay, I know this is a 12, but come on, at least singe the clothes a little bit here. I mean, I'm not asking for full frontal nudity here, but come on, about reality, about realism. Singe the fucking clothes. She's now blowing sky high, literally, as she's stuck on power lines and gets electrocuted. Tony has to deal with Seven, who drops a water tower on him. Uh, stuck under rubble, instead of, oh, I don't know, going for a kill, Seven holds Wonder Kid captive. So Tony gets him to use a taser that Tony gave Wonder Kid earlier to escape. Oh, fuck's sake, this movie's terrible. And we still have an hour left, for fuck's sake. <laughs> The kid escapes, and who cares, and Tony uses a one-hit hand blaster to take down Seven. He then escapes the rubble and just walks off, to be annoyed by the kid. So Tony just walks off, leaving the kid with the Mark 42. Smartest thing he has done all goddamn movie. He rolls off in a bad guy's Audi, as back to the plot. Oh, and the Mandarin killing a Roxxon employee on live TV. Seriously, this Tennessee stuff could have been trimmed down. Or indeed cut. <sighs> Everyone, even the Vice President Rodriguez, played by Miguel Ferreira, watches this in shock. The President sends War Machine to take down the Mandarin. As back with Tony, he realises MIA is aim backwards. Well, no shit Sherlock. In Pakistan, War Machine tracks down the Mandarin, but it's a trap as extremist soldiers are waiting on him and he is indeed captured. Tony calls War Machine to tell him M.I.A. is M. And they have indeed retrofitted his suit. So that's how they can get anybody and anybody jumping in and out of fucking War Machine's suit now. Uh, so that's been Tony himself. Hammer Technologies and now AIM Technologies tinkering around with this fucking suits. Yes, because Tony, because no person has these suits, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Tony has his login details, so uses a news van to hack into AIM, finding out they made the extremist soldiers. I also finds out that um, these extremist soldiers can regrow limbs and etc, etc. The fire stuff is actually a byproduct of the extremist stuff. By the way, he uses a van to hack into this thing, but moving on. Back with Pepper and Dr. Hansen in a hotel room for some reason. Again, why did he go to Shields or, oh, I don't know, the cops? Uh, she tells her her experiments weren't used for bad things, i.e. extremists. And, oh yeah, surprise, surprise, it's a trap! As Killian walks in and captures her. Tony calls the kit to get Jarvis on the telephone to... Tell him the Mandarin is in Miami. The kid tells uh, him the Mark 42 is not charging. And I guess he's using the wrong cable then. Hmm. This puts Tony into another panic attack. And this is just utterly goddamn ridiculous. As this 10 year old kid has to talk 
Tony off the ledge. Cut to Tony, now perfectly fine, shopping at Home Depot for supplies to make a team style weapon. A. Where is the money coming from? And B. Why not just buy tasers and smoke bombs and make your own fucking tasers and smoke bombs? Oh, now armed with MacGyver style weapons, he attacks the Mandarin compound, takes down goons galore, Jason Bourne style, until he reaches the Mandarin. And cue the biggest kick in the balls in cinematic history, as Tony finds out the Mandarin is fake. He's a beer-swirling, football-loving English stage actor named Tony Slattery. Really? You're gonna take the Mandarin? Our man's biggest nemesis and turn him into a fucking joke? Who, by the way, is still a mass murderer? Who killed at least one person on live TV and gave the order to kill dozens more? But no time for that, here's a fart joke. And this is when I was done with this movie in 2013. Tony is somehow caught and tied to a bed frame as Dr. Hansen explained she's not a bad guy, she's just misunderstood. Bullshit! Uh, Killian walks in. And in true Bond villain style, monologues to Tony about how Tony made him that Friday night slash Saturday, Saturday morning on the cold, wet Switzerland roof. That he is indeed the real Mandarin, that Tony Saturday guy is just the face of the bullshit fucking invention he made up. He then shows Tony via his magic hollow ball bearings. He has Pepper strapped to a table and she's been experimented on with extremists. Dr. Hansen tries to stand up to Killian and gets, tries to get him to let go of Tony, but he just shoots her dead. So much for being fucking regenerative powers now. <laughs> Killian walks off, leaving Tony with two inept guards as he gets Roddy out of the war machine suit, using his fire powers to roast him out of it. He then shows off he can breathe fire. <sighs> God, this movie just gets bad from two worse. Tony escapes after taking out Goon 1 and Goon 2, as his daughter, the Explorer Watch, bleeps to tell him the suit is now fully recharged. Uh, this escape is supposed to be funny, but it's just lame as suitcases are flying all over the place. Tony is now in the near useless Mark 42 suit, as he sees War Machine roaring off to Air Force 1. Tony takes Rody to meet the quote Mandarin and he spills his entire guts. Rody calls a VP, but surprise, surprise, he's in on it as Killian promised to fix his daughter who is in a wheelchair with only one leg. Like you can't have a prosthetic leg. I mean, for fuck's sake, if Iron Man's got this suit, oh, moving on. On to Air Force One, where War Machine boards uh, to take out the president. Tony has to pick who to rescue first. Pepper, or indeed the President. War Machine kills all on board to get to the present. And note, Air Force One is totally bulletproof, therefore the bullet ricochet should not have blown out a fucking window. Uh, Seven sticks the present in War Machine, sending him off as he blows up Air Force One, just as Tony arrives in the Mark 42, and cue a ridiculous stunt of Tony saving 13 cabin crew, sucked out during the explosion. And the only sole good thing about this stunt was it was done for real. I don't know how, but it was done for real. The Mark 42 saves all the people, monkey in a barrel style. However, the suit is hit by a semi-truck and breaks into pieces as back on a boat, Tony is controlling it. 
God, thank God this is not finished. Tony kicks in the quote house party protocol, which is remote activating all the suits to help him. Back with Killian, he has the now captured Pepper um, stuck to a table somehow. In flies War Machine, who dumps out the president. So much for only Tony and indeed Rhodey using this fucking suit. I mean, Tony and Rhodey track Killian to an oil rig in dry dock where the president is strung up in a War Machine suit above hundreds of thousands of bombs, I'm guessing fireworks, the fuck it is. Uh, Rhodey takes out men with ease, but Tony's shooting is terrible. The suits finally arrive, and by the way, the present isn't as clean as super squeaky clean, rather. As Killian says, the present covered up an oil spill, and Roxon paid him off. Get in. Because Roxon is a villain in the um, Iron Man universe. Anyway, all 30 plus suits arrive, and this would have been perfect for I Am Iron Man to be played, but never mind. These suits uh, must be made of toilet paper, as indeed these fall apart with relative ease. Tony takes on goon after goon, throwing, going through suit after suit, as Jarvis helps Rhodey to get the present to safety and back in the war machine suit. Pepper now has the extremists in her veins and takes out the near undestructible Killian. Shit, I forgot to say, she falls to her death, but not to worry, she has extremists and it heals immediately. Anyway, let's wrap up this Christmas turkey. Tony blows up all the suits using the clean slate protocol. He gets his heart fixed, which should have done fucking right away, the Iron Man 1. He fixes Pepper, and why fix Pepper? Give leave her with the cool, fire-breathing fucking power, and etc, etc. He gives up being Iron Man. The Vice President is arrested, as so is Tony Slattery, the fake Mandarin. Happy wakes up from his coma to watch Downton Abbey, and he picks up his hot nurse. The kid gets an all-new toys from Tony, as credits roll onto an end credit scene of Tony telling this all to Bruce Banner. Because that's funny, right? So, that was Iron Man 3, and what a joke this is. A Disney-fied superhero movie that makes no bloody sense. How can Tony be a bloody basket case in this. Yeah, he's super cocky and egotistical and his playboy billionaire fan purpose blah 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 self in Age of Ultron. Mm. It also recycles the plot from Batman Forever. The kid was not needed at all. The script is completely balls. The accent action is par and I hate what they did to the Mandarin. So this thing gets a 2 out of 10. Bloody terrible a void. The worst of the three Iron Man movies. Anyway, come back next week for my look at Avengers Age of Ultron. July is Captain America. August and September is Superman. October is Houseween. My look at the house movies. November is No Scare Vember, aka Scary Movie Movies. And December is Festive Frights 2. And don't forget to share, like, comment, and subscribe. Also, follow me on Twitter at here's a Johnny's a pod or email me move suggestions to here's Johnny's reviews at gmail.com check out my other franchise podcasts of mad max star wars blade omen and more also my solo podcast of barbed wire rocky horror picture show donnie darko the fog and many more and also if you're feeling extremely generous check out my patreon podcast where for just one dollar a month you get exclusive access 
to all new and exclusive podcasts of Beetlejuice and Tank Girl, etc, etc. Uh, bye. I'm off to watch Paint Dry because it's better than this bloated ass turkey. <laughs>